How do you feel about AI composition? Oh, okay. Which Make- is, I know, a whole nother ball of, a whole nother like can of worms. Now, now I feel bad because why didn't I think of that question for you? I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> like that should have been my question. Now, now I well, feel you, bad. You brought the tools, but you were talking about tools. I'm just, I'm, I'm AI. Wow. It is. You gave me that question to ask. Okay, all right. Nice. You will just say that. I feel better. My <laughs> ego hasn't been in the fields. Hello, welcome, bienvenidos, ¿cómo estamos? My name is Marcelo Treviño and this is El Composer Podcast, a show about creating tracks that tell inspiring stories. Today's guest, American veteran composer, multi-instrumentalist, proficient in piano, guitar, saxophone, also expressing the euphonium, is that how you say it? Euphonium. (laughs) Trombone, clarinet, and flute, who has scored over 45 feature films and television projects, including Jeepers Creepers 3, You Might Be the Killer, and The Perfect One. In the last 10 years, he has scored more than 70 projects across all media. He has also worked with Kevin Manthe to provide additional music for Star Trek Online Expansions, Victorious Life, and Age of Discovery. Studied under composers David Newman, Jeff Rona, and orchestrator Jack Smalley. Classically trained in both composition and music media at the University of Louisiana and Lafayette. And finalist for the super famous, infamous also, I guess, <laughs> Westworld Scoring Competition with us here today. Thank you so much, Mr. Andrew Morgan Smith. I'll Not put really, a plow, uh, some applause in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how was my intro? I'm, I'm, I'm it gonna, was good, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Welcome. Uh, welcome to our listeners. Uh, this is our second official English speaking one. So uh, I'm, I, I don't speak English all day. So bear with me. <laughs> Andrew will too, I guess. You wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Uh, Sir, how's it been? I mean, crazy times. First of all, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's been, uh, it has been crazy for sure, especially for everyone in the entertainment and film industry, you know. Uh, Thankfully, made it through 2020 without, you know, without any incident. I know. Um, And uh, so far, starting at the end of 2020, um, things started to pick up for me again, because, um, I have some relationships, relationships with companies that managed to shoot during the whole thing. So, um, back in the summer, there was a specifically a company that basically got the idea in their head that said, Hey, if we just like quarantine everybody in a production bubble, we'll shoot three movies back to back. Wow. Okay. Good, Um, Good idea. Yeah. So they ended up making three different movies, all kind of in the same, world all kind of like small relatively small cast Mm -hmm. only a couple locations um and so they finished that and also they had a couple reshoots to do on another project so through that one production company i have uh done four movies in the last couple months because they've just been they already had shot one of them and then they shot these other ones and um they're all indie you know which is but i mean at this point it's just great to have something and i'm not (laughs) like hustling for something else you know and one after the other that's amazing yeah for sure and that's kind of the world i've lived in a lot because i've done a lot of tv movies i've done a lot of indie movies and a lot of those companies they're making their money in in quantity you know what i mean they'll Mm -hmm. 
they'll I've done Christmas movies where you have, you know, they shoot one movie and while I'm working on that movie, like while I'm scoring it, the director of that movie is also shooting the next movie. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I roll right onto the next movie, which is um I mean, it's great to make a living doing it. It can be definitely creatively challenging. Okay. Um, you know, especially in in with this slate of these four movies, um, because they're all kind of similar in tone, right? They're okay. all they're all like horror thriller, psychological thriller. Yeah. I was gonna ask you because I went through the IMDb page and there's so yeah. many like different different styles of uh films in there. And uh I wanted to get your point of view on on jumping from a like a very serious drama to like a TV kind of family thing to a Christmas thing to like an action or how do how do you how do you manage that in terms of the approach on the, um, the score? Personally, I I kind of enjoy doing different things, right? Yeah. So like I enjoy the I really enjoy kind of playing in different boxes, right? Like I get a little bit stir crazy. And that's what I think I'm kind of feeling as I'm wrapping the fourth movie of that of this series. I'm actually starting another <laughs> another one. Mm -hmm. I'm not but for someone else, but it's still a thriller. Okay. And it's like I start to get I start to feel like I get a little bit uh stir crazy in a single genre. Okay. Um You mean like boxed in or Yeah, well it's just it's hard it's hard whenever you keep um as as all composers right we we find we kind of slot into ways that we problem solve right yeah. so mm -hmm. you get you you kind of run to the first answer <laughs> that's in your head especially when you have to write fast yeah. you think oh this is how I, this is how i got around this in the first place obviously subconsciously so i think sometimes oh well i've used you know label whatever it is i've used a, a drum beat right here to, to kind of transition me to the next thing. But it's like, but I've done that on the last two movies. Right. <laughs> so yeah. like clearing my head can be a little challenging right. whenever I'm doing movie after movie after movie in the same genre with kind of similar themes. All all of the movies, almost all of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess a lot of movies do this, but specifically there's two of the four on this run that have like kind of started in a happier place in a more normal, more normal place. And then yeah. the character's mental state deteriorates. Mm -hmm. Um, which is cool, but the thing is, is that like I feel like I'm pitching the same score again, right? Because, um, like for both of them, I kind of liked the idea of saying, "Hey, what if we start even in, like a really happy place, especially on one of them, mm -hmm. where there's like almost like a quirky Wes Anderson vibe to the main actor?" And I was like, "Well, what if I like take that and we write like a super, super upbeat thing, quirky thing." And then I just take that and I just destroy it over the whole movie. So like the drawn out pads and everything are all from that theme and they're all permutations of this and and kind of mangled versions of it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I also did that on the movie that I started this with, right? Yeah. Where it wasn't the same creative process, but it was still start with a more normal score and then turn it into something that that's <laughs> that's like destroyed and mangled. Right. Um, so it's like a, like when you do a when you do a movie, you have an arc, right? You do a, yes. this whole arc. Now it seems like you have like a, a, an arc of four movies that you have to take into consideration. Like, oh wait, I can't. I've done that already here, so I need to yeah. do something different here. So you're thinking about past and present stuff at the same time. Yeah, and I I think that <clears throat> also I try not to get too into my head. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. we're sitting here, and especially when you're writing. 
you still have that movie on it, on your head, you know, but they're not in the series. There's no reason why <laughs> yeah. some viewer may watch them. You know yeah. what I mean? There's no reason. It's just reason. for you. It, yeah, it's just for your, uh, doing for my a, creativity. Yeah. Doing yeah, a good job for like, yourself. So sometimes I have to kind of come out of myself and be like, you know, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like yep. I just need to finish this movie. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so but I think, files. But I think that the fun thing about going into so many different genres is you can you do get to play in different boxes, and and there's something fun about doing like the sound design score and and it and it's nice to get out of, um because I mean I I'm generally an orchestral composer that's generally my my world yes and I really love that, um, but but at the same time it's so it is so time consuming. Yeah. You know, like doing yes. a, a really heavy orchestral score is so time consuming and it's so emotionally like um, it, it's just so it's not necessarily a simple experience. Right. It's and and as a result, like mentally, it takes a lot to do that. Whereas a sound design score, I, fi- I often think find myself thinking, like, what's the simplest version of this that I can put on the screen that that is effective. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as to how I kind of clear myself on all that, I mean, I find the more time I can do pre-production on each thing, the better. Right. So if it's a different genre, then it's not as hard because you're just not even in the same place. But if I'm going from horror movie to horror movie to horror movie, the more time I can kind of workshop themes and workshop palettes, sound palettes, the better off we are. Right. Or I know I am because... Now I'm firmly in this other world. Yeah. And even if I have to work on movies concurrently, which sometimes happens, you know, sometimes I'll do something where I work on one movie one day with another movie the next day, or, you know, morning I'll work on one movie and the other day, and then after lunch I'll work on the other movie. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But like, if I, if I have a firm, firm grip on the themes and the sounds and the tones, then I don't run as hard of a risk of like, oh, I, this sounds like that other score. Is it? Do you use um, custom per movie template to achieve that? To help you achieve that? If you go into a yes. session, it feels like you're in a different movie because the sound selection and your your routing and whatever is is uh, more akin to that project. Yeah, I definitely do that. I mean, uh, usually I have my base template, which is my orchestral template. Yep. And then from there, I customize it. So every movie does have a different setup. Every movie has a different um, Vienna ensemble. Even and and sometimes they don't even change. Sometimes that stuff all gets loaded in 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 like instances and yeah, in instances that that are that are not. I don't remember what the right term is. That are not uh, that 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 will unload whenever you swap uh, files and they'll reload. It'll tell because you can run it. I think they call it running headless or whatever. Where it's. Basically, if you connect to your host, it'll tell it what instruments to load. Okay. But I was having trouble realizing as time went on. Oh, no, coupled. Is that coupled and decoupled? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized, though, I used to have like, okay, here's my orchestral template, and I would put the date on the VE Pro uh, instance. Yeah. And then I would have to go back to that or I'd have to reopen an old session, and I had no idea which one that was, right? Yeah. I'd have to like try and figure out okay when did i originate this file and when did that that happen yeah, and when when did i save it like, as VP yeah checking eight. my dates <laughs> yeah. like hopefully that didn't have also an overlap so I, what i realized was um i just saved all new instances instances for everything okay so um you know if i'm working on movie a mm-hmm. i'm gonna save 
a movie a template <laughs> got it yeah got so it. if i ever have to come back i can always find movie a file of course yeah. and then i can open that one even if it's maybe not necessarily the one that i'm constantly working on i'll at least have a point of reference yeah yeah i duplicate the the uh vp one and then just yeah. name it the whatever the demo or the whatever the i'm jumping in and then that yeah, can get that can get it screwed or destroyed whatever <laughs> way and that that kind of solves it uh you talked about a little bit of a of being a orchestrate orchestrator um composer orchestration composer because you're classically trained and you know all about that world when you start and i know You talked about it being time consuming because I know you have to layer in and consider, you know, your counterpoint and, and programming and your expression and stuff. How do you approach it in terms of what do you reach for first? Or I mean, I I know it depends on, you know, if you're doing a melodic part or stuff, but do you go for woodwinds, do you go for brass? What's your approach to filling it in or or coloring it in? Uh usually usually it's either piano or Uh, or strings. Okay. Uh, as a person, I I strings are actually like my least uh, my least played uh, personally my least played uh, instruments. But for me, uh, I always tend to think of a lot of modern film scores as like piano. If I'm trying to structurally figure out what's happening, yep. right. So that way, I'm just trying to divorce myself of any kind of yeah. timbre where the right? chords just, are and where the melody comes in all that stuff yeah exactly like i'm just trying to workshop okay does this melody even make sense right um because sometimes it's hard to conceptualize depending on what libraries you're using it's hard to conceptualize with just full-on samples like you were saying so many samples take so much work to make them sound even close to representative of what they're supposed to be so yeah. i find that i can pick up the piano uh, if it's on my daw or even if it's you know downstairs in the piano at my i have plenty of music memo recordings of me sitting at my downstairs piano with my kids screaming in the background <laughs> nice of, of themes but you can just put, uh, pass that through a like a cassette filter and upload yeah. it as a lo-fi track yeah exactly with like it's, ambient it's my, ambient noises in the back and it's it's my Hans Zimmer th sketches yes, right the, the the sketches is just me at the piano <laughs> um, with my kids screaming um and and then the next thing is I will sketch with strings a lot of times um, because I often, for better or for worse, the way I kind of conceptualize a lot of modern film score, if it's orchestral, is like the the strings tend to be the base of things, as in like the bottom foundation of everything. And then your woodwinds and your brass tend to be kind of decoration on top. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, and obviously, like you said, it's not every time there may be scores that are more foundational to brass and more foundational to woodwinds um i really like your your uh, brass scoring like i have to say oh, like thanks. i've listened to oh of course go to andrewmorgansmith.com that's <laughs> that's the uh the, this podcast brought to you by yeah, the uh, andrewmorgansmith.com well there's the all the social links in there but you can listen to a bunch of tracks and it's some I really beautiful tracks, man. Congrats. It sounds really nice. I appreciate it. And um I, I just really like I've told you this before. I really like your um your your brass scoring. It's like really nice, like the harmonies and melodies and stuff. Plus the way, you know, you you've learned how to make them sound good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I've spent an inordinate amount of time. <laughs> so yeah. so much time um doing that. Um but I really appreciate it, man. I really, yeah. I really do. How about percussion? <laughs> What are your go-tos? I mean, we're getting geeky in here. You're 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 logic, right? You're in logic. I'm in logic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your uh, percussion go-to stuff recently? 
I keep threatening to move to Cubase, and then I keep not wanting to go through the pain of learning. Um, oh well, we'll talk about that because I I, <laughs> I I jumped I jumped ship from DP. So oh yeah, yeah. it's yeah. A, it's a whole uh, thing. Most should. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I uh, percussion. Um, so I still, I mean, I still am using uh, Cineperk uh, Core and Pro. I've had it since the first launch. Yep. Uh, I've never updated it. I mean, I like obviously, like I just never upgraded because they did the consolidation thing. I don't know, maybe four years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I just didn't buy into it. I just, I, I really like the tone of that stuff. I've heard great things about the uh, the um, Spitfire orchestral percussion. I think that's what the library is. Although it's been Spitfire keeps rebranding, so I don't know what their newest version of right <laughs> of the orchestral yeah. thing is. It was but Joey. Yeah. and then it went to orchestral percussion and then symphonic and and yeah yeah i mean but they know. sound what? yeah they sound great oh. the cine the cineperk oh yeah yeah the the cine yeah. samples ones yeah yeah and so like those those are the ones i use i i i've just i haven't i mean like i said i haven't bought i've bought other percussion samples but i buy or core orchestral stuff you know it's just the the cine sample stuff is so functional yeah and it has a good room tone. I tend to have a lot of room tone in my samples, just okay. generally, mm-hmm. just how I do my mock-ups. So that functions for that. I'd imagine also the Spitfire stuff would work really well for that because in air you have that huge space. Um, you know, so that's kind of, that's been the kick I'm still on for, I don't know, what, seven years? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, Mentioning Spitfire is a really great transition to a good question that you've got, you've gotten in the last few months or I guess last year. Um, yeah. How how was your experience with uh, with the the contest, the um, Spitfire Westworld contest? Uh, congratulations! Uh, I mean, oh, I, I forget to tell you stuff because we talked a little bit before, but uh, congrats on that too. Oh, of course, I appreciate it. I mean, it's so the contest I kind of entered on a whim. Yeah. Um, I think that it was just the perfect storm of, you know, I'm sure they had this planned before the shutdown. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they were like, you know, in 2019, hey, summer of 2020, we're going to do this. And they probably had all the deals with the show and all that kind of stuff to get clearances. But because of the shutdown mm-hmm. and because no one was doing anything, you know, I I normally don't enter those kind of contests because I don't think it's fair right. for me, right. for me to enter it. Because it's like, I have all these resources. I have all this experience. I normally don't enter them because I don't think it's fair. Okay. And so, which is ironic that it like did well, but so I wasn't going to enter it. I had some friends send it to me and some filmmaker friends like, Hey, I saw this. I think you, you should really do this. And I was like, yeah, maybe like I just, maybe for fun, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then I saw another composer I follow entered it, and he scores like, like big TV stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay yeah. well, if, yeah. It's like if I if he can enter that, then I can enter it. Yeah. Um, and also, I just I also needed a concept, right? So like, I didn't want to just go in and think, oh, well, I'll just you know, I'm just gonna, because uh, I kept watching. I, I wanted to have a concept that was different than what was going on. So mm-hmm. to get a little like gamesmanship on this or a little like strategic um i and i come back to this a lot when it even comes to demoing in in shows or on projects is that like if everyone's stuff sounds the same then then how do you pick the best shade of blue right like you just you're just not going to be able to pick the best shade of blue you're all going to look very similar 
Um, and they all turn trying to, okay, well, those are all the blue ones. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but wow, that one fuchsia one looks really different. Yeah. Um, so as I was thinking about entering this, I was looking at people's uploads. And most of them were basically in the genre of the show, which yeah. I don't dislike the music in the show. But I was just thinking to myself, okay, these showrunners are going to, or some poor, some poor assistant is going to have to sit here. And listen, and listen to, to <laughs> so many entries that yeah. all sound like hybrid orchestra, you know. Westworld stuff. Westworld stuff, which yeah. is fine, except for that they already have that score. Yeah. <laughs> you know? How do you, how do you um, uh, pronounce the composer's last name? Jawali? Jawadi, I think. Jawadi? I, okay. I'm, I, I try to, I'm not very good at pronouncing names. Right. I'm not very good with names in general. He's really, <laughs> so, he's really good. Like I really like his yeah for stuff. His yeah. stuff is awesome, and yeah. like, and it's, and it also has like a has some cool, unique vibes to it. Yeah. And um, so I just was thinking, whatever I do, I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, in thinking about it, I was like, man, you know, and I love, I love. There's some classic scores that I really love. I love Back to the Future. Course, I love. Yeah. Yeah, Star Wars, I, you know, being a traditional film score nerd, um, there are just these scores that are hard to get away with now, right? Like, no one's going to let you score Back to the Future on, a like, a gritty TV show right now. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, it'd be fun to do, like, a Back to the Future-style mock-up, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, dealing with the tritone stuff and kind of dealing that style of scoring because it has this kinetic energy that's so fun. And I, and I posed it as a challenge to myself. Okay. So I basically said, look, I'm just going to do this for fun. I'm not even going to really, I'm not doing this to win. Um, but I did take into consideration, like I'm going to do something that's different than what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, um, I'm just something different than everyone else. And I'm also going to, use it as a challenge to myself to make the best mock-up version of this that I can. Okay. So with that in mind, I spent the next couple days um, writing on this thing. And there was something I did that I think, uh, I don't think I would have won, but I think in the spirit of the competition, I think what they were looking for was like a change from like one style to another style. Yeah. And I, I actually fought myself on like, okay, should I start in this, in like a more dark synth world and then turn into this? And I never, I didn't do it. I, I decided not to. I think, frankly, it was a mistake in okay. my, in my strategy, but, um, but I mean, it went well, you know, like they getting a runner up position on it. I mean, out of 11,000 entries, yeah. out of the top six out of 11,000 seems like a pretty good, of pretty good shot it doesn't seem it is it is a great shot and I, I i really like the the track it sounds really cool and fun i appreciate I, it it yeah. sounds fun which is which is something i it, you enjoy it when you see it like your room yeah, yeah. It's, it's jumping well, i mean off. that was that was the thing about david's uh david who won yeah um like his 8-bit rendition as much as people want to bag on it like i i laughed out loud when i watched it yeah. you know what i mean like that like i can only imagine you know, the assistant watching through all these different videos and then that one comes up and they just laugh out loud. And they're like, all right, well, I, I have to put this one in. Yeah, it's you fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's fun. Like, that's what we're here to do. We're here to entertain. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, a funny thing was that that happened around the competition was that I was actually catching up on Westworld. Like, I oh, never really? watched it when, it when it came out. 
And we were starting to see shows, and, and a friend of mine told me, did you watch Game of Thrones? And I'm like, I never got around to it. So I started from scratch, and um, I got a lot of heat from my friends. What? Are you kidding me? Are you starting now? <laughs> like, this ended a few years ago, and you're just seeing the first uh, season. So I got through that, and I enjoyed it, and I think it was it had great music also. And then I jumped into Westworld, because I knew it was, it was a kind of similar big show that I missed yeah. when, it, when it came out, and I missed the hype and stuff. And I was actually uh, maybe 10, 10 episodes before the scene that was uh, that submitted to everyone to score. Okay. So it kind of was a spoiler. And I'm like, who are these uh, characters in the future? Yeah. I'm still, you know, like in the in the old West and the in like just I was in a different yeah. era. I think it was like like old Japan or something. And then I yeah. when I got to the when I got to that scene. I'm like, oh, this is the scene that everybody's scoring. And I was telling my wife, look, look. And she's like, oh, of course. Yeah, I don't know what, <laughs> what you're talking about. Because I've seen posts of everyone just submitting their stuff. Yeah. And uh, and it was it was cool to like kind of merge those two timelines of people scoring the scene and then me getting to the scene and watching the actual scene. And uh, yeah. yeah, the scene had this... This the th the thing about it uh, about the character changing uh, his movie dramas in his head, in his head, he was like going through all this like I don't th I think he was injected with something and he went from one movie genre to another to another to another, and that was a, a, a fun thing to score if you're working on a show like oh now he's jumping into like a like a old uh, western or a I mean no how do you call it the noir 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, film noir stuff. Film yeah. noir stuff, and so it was. It was fun to see to see all that stuff. Yeah, and it's. I have a confession to make as well. I haven't watched Game of Thrones or Westworld. Nice, but which <laughs> made which made this scene very weird to score because I didn't understand that until right. after, like I had kind of started doing the first pass on it. Yeah. Um. Whenever I started to see some people change, I was like, oh, maybe he's actually like changed. Like I didn't know what was happening. Right. So it made that a little bit interesting yeah. uh, at the top, you know, but. It worked I, out. I just have this thing where people tell me something's good. I don't want your your I don't want your opinion. I want to have my own opinion. Right. So I it's hard for me to watch something. <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats on that. Did you get to any any price? What did they send you? Uh yeah, I got a um they sent me the whole symphonic uh what was it? the symphonic whatever their their like large orchestral Oh, the symphonic orchestral. Uh, yeah, their 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 large orchestral libraries. Nice. Um, honestly, I was hoping I would get their their percussion library, but I didn't. Get, I didn't get that one. <laughs> Speaking uh, of, yeah. yeah, the the one that I was like, ah, I might actually want that one. Yeah. Um, not that I dislike these; it's just funny. Um, and then also, we got a signed record of the score from. Um, so I think it's signed by uh, the two creators, which their names are now escaping me. No worries. Um, of the show. And also that was the big deal also was the reason, the other reason why I decided to do this was because the judges of the show, of the final, however many finalists they picked, right? Because right. mm -hmm. obviously they didn't sit down, like these guys didn't sit down and listen to 11,000 entries. <laughs> but, no. but like J.J. Um, Abrams and the two creators of the show, like the two main executive producers mm -hmm. were the final, and I think also the, the composer, uh, were the final say on who won. Yeah, it's amazing. Right? So so part of this was also that I, I was like, oh, well, I can say my music has been heard by J.J. Abrams. Of course. Um, it but, has. you know, close doesn't count in the film industry. <laughs> <laughs> in, 
even if you're with them uh, working for 10 years, suddenly they, they just jump to another composer. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, yeah. so it's okay. Uh, we're not we're not um we're not working with Steven Spielberg who always keeps his composer I mean, when he's available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> John Williams won't be around forever, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I'm dreading the day we have to go online and just post I about know. that. Yeah, I know he's 89 now. Yeah. So, well, only so much longer. That got dark suddenly. Yeah. Sorry. About that. <laughs> Sorry about the real world <laughs> yeah. coming at you fast. We went from uh, winning a <laughs> winning a contest to like really dark. We yeah. w- we won't have him around. Um, yeah. <laughs> speaking of, no, there, there's no good transition there. <laughs> transition. What what am I gonna do? <laughs> we got really dark really fast. Um, how's how's that life? Hashtag that life. Composer life for you. I know you it's, recently had an, a new new member yeah. in the family. Um, Thanks. That the good question they they ask us is. Um, the balance between <laughs> between being a being a dad, being a family man, and, uh, yeah. and writing, composing. How's that been for you? Uh, it, it's been. I mean, I feel like I've managed to do an okay job of finding a balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's. I feel like it's not so much. I guess it's still a balancing act, but to some extent, a lot of it. I mean, I I, I can't take all the credit myself. My wife is a hugely important part of that process. Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife, um, is, is dealing with them whenever they get home from school and, and taking care of all that. So that's a big part of it, right? Cause she, we all kind of understand that as composers, there are times when you're kind of on call yeah. and you'll be working late or you'll be working overtime basically. And then there's other times when you're not doing as much and maybe you have just normal business hours or you can take the day off, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think the balance the balancing act for me, although I have young kids, so they're not, they're demanding, but they're demanding in different ways, right? right? They're not demanding in, in necessarily events and stuff we have to go to, but they're demanding in the sense that they just need time. Yep. I'm at home. So like I, my office is at home, mm-hmm. which has been at home for about four years now. Um, and I find just trying to keep office hours as best I can. So I get into the office around 830 to nine and then I work until probably four to five and then I I finish, <laughs> you know, and I try to be done for the day. Do you eat something? Do you eat something? Yeah, eat, at some point. Yeah, I eat. I eat lunch, but but my point being is, I try to be kind of structured with my time. And right. and the other thing that I've found valuable is, um, I've started hiring a music editor about a couple years ago. I started working with a music editor, whereas before, for whatever reason, I was, I, I mean, I just wanted to. I had this weird guilt about about like if I don't write every single note of this score. I know. Yeah, that uh, we a lot of people that I know have that. Yeah, and, I mean not to diminish just, not to diminish no, your your experience. No, 100%. I mean yeah. it's uh, it's one of the things I tell people when I talk to them about I, you know, dealing with deadlines is hard. Of course. <laughs> and, yeah. And like also, you know, when you're writing a 50-minute score, 60-minute score, maybe 20 to 30 minutes of that is original music. As in like completely whole new thing based on themes everything else even if i was writing it all new is going to be um is going to be derivative of whatever that other stuff was right so the difference is well am i writing it or someone else writing it or is someone creating it out of my stems that i've sent them mm-hmm. so i think working smarter and not harder has been kind of my mantra for the last three or four years nice. um because i just i got to a point where i had kind of like a uh, I had a panic attack to the point where I I was working on like three movies at once. I had a a newborn baby. Yeah. 
Yeah. I guess this may be, this could be like, this could be like almost five years ago now. Okay. And, and I just had this moment where like my health was, I wasn't like getting sick, but it's just, I just felt run down. Yeah. And Low like, energy. What am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? Like I'm writing music for, at the time, it's like I was writing movie for music for a shark movie, mm-hmm. not making E.T. Like, what am I doing to myself? Yeah. Um, and I think kind of checking myself on that, bringing in help when you need it, even though obviously I'd rather be the person that writes everything. I'd rather do that, but it's just not how our industry functions. Right. There's no um, time for, for some of the stuff that we need to do. Yeah. I mean, what's more important, me spending time with my kid at two, at two years old, you know, spending the time getting to sleep, or is it more important that I write this 10 second transition track? Right. You know what I mean? Like sense. that already, I've already written 30 times, Yep. you know, and the, the answer is pretty easy to me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. How do you, you know? <laughs> how do you pick someone for your team? That's a, a good question for composers who want to expand their team. How do you go about um, getting to that two person team? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is um, uh, recommendations. So okay. like that's been kind of the people I'm working with right now, the people I've had the most success with are either people I've had a previous relationship with and I know that they can do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's just through just knowing somebody and knowing their work or, um, or personal recommendation of somebody who's done the job through somebody I trust, which is like the entire film industry, right? right. It's like, Oh, I know, I know a person who's done whatever. I've got a guy. Why don't you give him a call? <laughs> yeah. I got a guy, you know, <laughs> Yeah. And like that's how I've found the most success in that. Um, I occasionally find somebody else, but it really, um, unfortunately, on these jobs, there's just not a lot of on-the-job training. Right, you have to be <laughs> on. On you have to know what you're going into. Especially, especially whenever you're writing, you know, some movies. I'll be writing a total in a month of like a hundred plus minutes of music, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't have time to to bring in a new assistant and be like, all right, cool. So now you open up logic. Yeah. This is where you click you know? on the folder for yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's and super, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's really time consuming and you want to be a nice person to whoever's yeah. there. Um, but I think there, there has to be kind of a, a level of, Oh, I already can, can get yeah. to that. I, I can already help you with these things. Right. Well, and I, you might deal with this as well. I don't live in in Los Angeles, and as a result, mm-hmm. it actually is harder, right? Because I'm not by necessarily, I'm not by a, a, a plethora of people who would just walk in the door and be competent. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not not for any faults there, and it's just not the industry that's here. Yeah. So as a result, um, anytime I bring someone on board, whether it's an assistant or an intern there's a good deal of time that has to be spent yeah. like, okay, so now we're going to do, you know, file management. Right. Of course. <laughs> you know? There's yeah, not tough. many people doing that. You yeah. know, do I've, you find I've, that where do you find that? I've tried. Um, I still have to, to try harder to expand the team. Cause I'm also on that. Uh, I feel like I have to mix program orchestrate and write everything and just deliver everything. And and I worked as an assistant composer for um, composer here in Vancouver on for four years as a, on a great animated show for Disney. And that was like a master program for me in that kind of very specific of writing for a show. Mm-hmm. But it was it's it's tough to get somebody and then 
because you have your own way of doing things also. Yeah. Like I had to, what, I had yeah. to adapt uh, to this this composer's uh, Brian Carson's um, style and yeah. also his um, his approach and the AW and everything. You have to just yeah. kind of jump in there. But I I could you know put files together and edit stuff. So I wasn't going in from zero, and I'm kind of afraid of jumping and having an an editor or an assistant. I do. I've worked with two or three people, but not on a consistent basis for mm-hmm. like a long period of time. But uh, I think a, a music editor would be the first thing I would I would really try to go for. That's what I was going to suggest as well. The music yeah. editor, the music editor, especially if you get a good one, mm-hmm. and the best music editors I've had, and I, I have not worked with a plethora of them. I've worked with th- three, and I've worked with a few other people who were like kind of trying to do it. Yep. Um, the best music editors I've had generally have are composers right <laughs> you know and they know what's um, going on they know what's going on they know how to time things out they know how to really um do other stuff now i'm sure there's other music editors who are not composers who are amazing yep. um i have just never worked with them. <laughs> right uh but i think music editor also because the other issue i ran into and i still run into when i hire additional music people okay is that you're not running through your system right so unless you're going to do something to marry all the sounds, whether that's everyone works from the same template with the same samples, everyone's working with, well, that, but also just sonically, it sounds different. Like I can look back on movies that, that I had additional music people on and, and I just, it just sticks out to me. Now the directors have never made a comment about it. You know what I mean? I've never had a director be like, Oh, well this sounds yeah. Reverb on this part sounds different, you know, but (laughs) what's going on with Piccolo on this cue? Yeah. But to me, I listened to that and I was just like, oh my gosh, like that doesn't like, if I got that, I'd be like, what is this? Like this is, yeah, this is something else that you're delivering. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, that is subverted with a music editor, right? Like we don't deal because they're dealing with all of your, your stuff, um, all your stems. So so it takes a little more work for you because you need to be set up to be doing stemming. You know what I mean? So I, I now have like a native built-in setup that allows me to just print stems mm-hmm. in Logic. So there's a little more prep work on that stuff. But but at the end of the day, at least the stuff sounds similar, right? Yeah. You're not getting like, oh, well, you're working with Cinebrass and that person's working with, you know... Uh, with Spitfire and then the timbres sound completely different unless you're going to be working with an audio engineer or you're going to be recording it right if you're going to record it then it, then everything's kind of going through the same stuff anyway yeah. but if the way most I think if I'm going to venture a, I'm going to say a pretty bold statement most of the industry works you know where we're having to be the the composer the engineer you yeah. know programmer, everything. everything programmer Whenever you hire someone else, they are they are going to send their tone, their sound. Yes. Also, uh, something that really helps is uh, administrative stuff. Is it? How, is that how you said? Admin administrative. Yeah. Yeah. All the administration for like like cue sheets and spotting notes oh, yeah. and uh, e- emails, ex- exporting stuff, stems. I've never had a music editor that I actually was having do that stuff. Okay. Just because it's never been a full-on normal union music editor gig. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be amazing for me to do that. But once again, like I'm mostly, for me, their value is 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 basically to do that. To basically just come in and make sure that, oh, I need to 
throw together another queue at this spot, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, put, it, um, put something together and then we'll we'll see what it needs. What else it needs. I mean, there was even I, I I'm not gonna say what movie, <laughs> but but there Zombie was a movie shark. that I No, no. Uh there was a movie where I I hi, it was the first time I was working with this new music editor mm-hmm. and I just was like, Man, why don't I'm just gonna throw a crazy scene at you and and you know, I said, no, like no hard feelings if you can't do it. Like I get it. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to music edit this scene because yeah. it's just, it's a lot of hit points. It's a lot of action stuff, just all, all around difficult. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I think all the themes are there and I think all the content is there. It was just be very challenging. And he was like, yeah, sure. I'll give it a shot. So he does his thing. It's great. Right. He loves it. Like it, it, it worked really well. It just, it just really, really worked. And I didn't have to take on an action scene, which was really nice on mm-hmm. a on an action heavy movie. Yeah, I'm in the final mix of the movie with the director, and he, and we go through that scene. He's like, "Man, that's like that's my favorite cue in the movie." And I was like, <laughs> oh. Oh, <man. laughs> "But it, I mean, he did, did an hit, awesome hit job." You, I mean, uh, did it hit you in the feels in the yeah in the composer yeah. ego feels all the feels? I mean, look, he the guy wants to work with me again, so no big deal. But at the end of the day, um, he did a great job then. I mean, yeah, you did an awesome job, and also once again indistinguishable from my other stuff, of course, because it is still the same stuff. It's just you know molded and moved around. Yeah, he nailed it. There's um, yeah. uh, oh, hopefully I get to do more episodes for uh, the show I'm working on. Blah blah blah. But I have three. <laughs> I have three seasons of uh, each. Well, two seasons of twelve, thirteen episodes each, and one big uh, movie. Like, yeah. I think there's like thousands of just like stems in there of just stuff yeah. and 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 i mean if you can't solve a cue with that amount of stuff it, it's then you're not good at music editor i think yeah. like there no, has I, to i would say so unless yeah. it's just a completely different unless it's a completely new yeah i mean if, if, we're, in the sem, if, if we're in the same realm and there's so much stuff and and you know yeah which which i'm excited about that's kind of my thought around oh man i've done so many cues and i have so much material in there that it would be great to get somebody who would give it another approach and be like oh i grabbed this from you from episode three and season two and and then i added this from season one and then you go into this action thing and then you can put something above this and i'm really excited about that about that because that'll also you know go into the workflow make it faster well that's 100 i mean i've heard stories of you know tv composers because they have you have to turn around crazy yeah it's it's uh, 20, crazy deadline. 20 something minutes in like a week or something yeah so it's like you the ideal right like the ideal situation i know that always i've heard like the first and second seasons especially the first season is just yeah astronomically hard because yeah. you're just churning and churning and churning everything but from zero from scratch yeah from zero because yeah, it's the first time you get like a dialogue scene it's the first time you get a dialogue with an emotional it's the first time yeah. that you get an action thing it's the first time you get exactly. an epic thing and you have to go in from zero from scratch every time those but first two the, seasons i guess but like i've heard stories of composers that i know who are doing shows that are like yeah a, a 20 minute episode i'm scoring four to five minutes of of of, of the episode. Yeah, because there's a new a, character a in there that needs to be addressed or something. Yeah, or you're just theme. grabbing a couple things. But yeah. I mean, that's the ideal, right? The ideal is that you're taking on the new elements. You're right. taking on the elements that are new and or or just the elements that maybe need something a little more custom, right? So maybe the most poignant moment or the most important moments 
but like you're not inventing the wheel every time, you know, and that's the need. And the something to think about is that those other cues that get built on stuff that you have already or by a music editor don't don't um, have less of a um, of a craft or have left of a, uh, there's what what's the right word uh, to say this there's the same care goes into resolving that it, that scene emotionally and in terms of sync and in terms of uh, uh, arc story arc and stuff as other things but just because it's built with elements or by somebody else doesn't mean that there's no there's no inclination to have it be as important as every other cue in the show. That's kind of a misconception yeah. of oh well you just put something in there. No. We put whatever was needed. It could have been yeah. the same. It could have been me playing that pad, but we found it and it worked because the emotional theme that I grabbed from. So you what I'm trying to say is that those cues also um require and get the attention that I mean ideally, right? Uh, require and get the attention that they need um, yeah. as the as the from scratch ones. Well, it's I think that you're touching on an important thing that I know I felt for years, which is um, just because just because you are not doing necessarily what you would want in a classical sense or in like in an album, right? That from, for some reason it's lesser. Okay, right? Like because that's. That's always, and I mean, there's always that musician part of my brain that's like, but this is boring. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but if it, it works, works but it works. Yeah, it works, but why did I do so little work? I feel like I should be doing more with <laughs> I this. I should and, return your money. Yeah, I should. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's, and it just saves saves time, and it's it's your notes, it's your approach, it's your sounds, it's it's just it just uh, blocks block building. Uh, but it's, well, it's as also, creative as writing from scratch, I guess. Well, also, the other thing that I think as composers we're prone to do is get in our own way. Yeah. Right? So I know a lot of composers, and I had a teacher a teacher who uh, at one point I brought up to him that there was a lot of, I knew a lot of composers who were interested in being film composers from Juilliard. This is not a knock against anyone at Juilliard, but I was like, man, I just feel out of place. You know, I'm mm -hmm. just this guy from Louisiana, and these people have like savant level stuff going yeah. on mm -hmm. and he it's was like intimidating well yeah it's intimidating and he just basically said he said look juilliard composers aren't film composers and and obviously there are film composers who are from juilliard who are very good yeah. i think what he meant was is that there's a certain amount of um getting like the music is not the most important thing in your film right or in your tv show mm -hmm. and I have. What do you mean? What we've. <laughs> what, yeah, what, what do you what? mean? What? <laughs> what? What? Um, no, I think that that is something that the sooner you realize that as a composer, mm -hmm. the better off you are, yep. because there will always be cues that you like that get butchered. There's always going to be, like, you are part of a collaborative process, and if the director and producer think that it's the wrong answer, then it's the wrong answer, even right. if you think it's the right answer. Right. And if you're in the way, if you're in your own way because you're like, oh, I really love how this track does whatever. I really love how, you know, this Moog sits in the mix. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but that noise is super distracting whenever the actor's voice is almost in the same range. Yeah. There's, you're part of a bigger product that that is not, it's very easy to lose sight of <laughs> if you're if you're too much, if you're doing too much, right? you know? And bringing in stuff that's been approved, that is liked, And uh, yeah. coloring in scenes with that, 
um, your stamps, for example, by a music editor, uh, gets the job done, and every, yeah. everybody gets really happy about it. So yeah, and you maintain your wife and your kids, and yeah. they don't all hate you. <laughs> and every, you know? everybody wants to hire you again, and then yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, as much as it, as much as I understand the inclination, because for a long time I didn't want to use loops, like I didn't want to use like percussion loops and stuff, and. And then I just realized, like, why am I killing myself? Like, I don't, I don't go downstairs and be like, man, why didn't I bake this bread that I'm about to eat on this sandwich? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, like, like I, I bought this bread from the store and now I'm about to eat it. Yeah, this like, is a, this is a great table, but I feel bad because I didn't build it. Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't build the table. Yeah, for that matter, I wish I could have assembled my computer and built all the parts from scratch. Yeah. You know, which, which some composers do. And is yeah, well, you know. I mean, but but in the sense that, like, of course, like. I'm not if I if I use a sample of a violin I'm not reinvent you know it's like you're not that instrument sounds like that because that's what it is and it's just I started to look at things more as tools rather than like oh well I'm not a real composer if I do xyz or if no. I don't if I use this or I don't use this and I think that that's one of the the problems as a person who has a composition degree that I that I mentally face is thinking um, although I didn't have like a, a very un unorthodox way of going about getting my degrees, but, um, that's another that story is, for another, yeah, it's another story for another time, <laughs> yeah. but that's, um, but that's kind of, I, and I'm sure I've talked to other composers who didn't get film, didn't get any composition degrees and they have, you know, imposter syndrome. Cause like, well, I didn't even study any of this and I don't know how to do any of this. Right. There's always something there. Yeah, there's always going to be something that you're fighting mentally, but man, just don't beat yourself up for that stuff. If it works, it works. That's kind of the yeah the the beginning and end of that. I think I think tools are evolving super fast, and that's there's going to be a decrease with new generations in that regard a little bit, I guess, with tools, because mm -hmm. now because we can see them as something that that we didn't have before, but mm -hmm. but new composers eventually will be like, oh yeah, these are the tools, and this is how you get to a sound. In this regard, and it's it's amazing to be able to see that transition uh, in the last 10 years. And there's, yeah, there's this whole mental thing involved in how we approach writing something. Even the tools we use, we're like, a, well, is this, I just hit one note and it works really good. <laughs> am I, should I be, should I add something else or should I take, yeah. am, am, am I cheating? Like, uh, yeah. this is a really cool pad. <laughs> and yeah. then, and then you're, and then your director is like, I, I want a little bit less. Oh, great. Yeah. great. I, I, I mean, love everything before that bell noise. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, that's one note. Yeah, Excellent. That's Good. the note that I put in there so I didn't feel like I wasn't doing like yeah. stuff. <laughs> it felt like I was doing my job. Yeah. Well, um, there are really. Yeah, go ahead. I was, I'm curious about the tool conversation. How do you feel about AI composition? Oh, okay. Which Maybe. is, I know, a whole nother ball of a whole nother like can of worms. Now, now I feel bad because why didn't I think of that question for you? I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> like that should have been my question. Now I well, feel you, bad. You brought the tools, but you were talking about tools. I'm just I'm, I'm AI. Wow, it is. You gave me that question to ask. Okay, all right, nice. we'll just say that. I feel better. My <laughs> ego hasn't been in the fields. Um, I don't. I don't. I. I still think we're gonna be using that as as if you pull up a. Um, a string patch and it gives you that blush abbey road sound yeah well you, you we couldn't before so my uh my take on that would be hopefully i mean if ai is on our side because there's this whole 
they can destroy us and be composers plus run the world part. <laughs> it's the Skynet version yeah, of composers. Of course. Yeah. That they, they wipe up, they wipe out uh, all our networks and all our VPs and yeah. just, there's this bug that destroys all our uh, network connections to our other, <laughs> other computers and, and um, all these podcasts get erased mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, by them. Of course. <laughs> so there's no information out there. I, I just saw Age of Ultron, so I'm I'm kind of in, oh, okay. in that mindset. But you're I, just like, what if it was a composer? What if it's just like Beethoven? He comes out wearing a wig, yeah, the entire thing. And he destroys all of us, but everybody everybody <laughs> else is fine. Well, I, I guess it, it should be really cool if it's a tool that you could just like set up and add some tags, uh, put some plugins into the chain, uh, maybe mm-hmm. some custom design sounds. And um, maybe a harmonic progression, uh, input some sync points in there, and be like, "Give me an option." That would be like like sending something to a music editor, and him mm-hmm. sending you something back, and then you can be like, "You know what? This is nice, but then at this point, we'll just drop these three stems, and then you can yeah. write a little bit of melody in inside of that." So if it's a practical tool that gets you somewhere, it doesn't take away from, and you can you can manipulate it in terms of of it being a creative partner instead of like overriding the way you approach um, creating, then, I mean, I, I guess that's the, that's the, that's a nice neighbor way of looking at it. The, yeah. um, the not aggressive, um, he's going to take all of our jobs away. Part yeah, of it, like using it yeah. as a tool, I guess. I don't know. I think, I mean, I generally agree. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone, I guess, like, I worry about composers becoming editors. Like, that's something that, right. you know, like, that. that's already an annoying part of the job that you have to do so much editing with, like, with sample data and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's my biggest, at least for me personally, I'm not worried about a computer taking away my job. Okay. Like, the interpersonal relationship, I think, is just too much to overcome that. Right, you the know, creative like, creative part of... of the creative part of it and, like, just the, the handshake version of that mm-hmm. I think is is going to be difficult to overcome and I don't I, I would also be very curious because as far as I would I'm like stumbling over this but I think that I think that your AI is going to be derivative of whatever already has happened right I don't I don't okay. know how it's going to function with creating an entirely new idea like if you wanted to have your own sound oh okay okay I'm following now yeah it'd be one thing to say hey I want corporate library music right i think that that i think it's going to take away those kind of jobs okay because anything that can just be churned out in an hour by by a first time musician i think it's going to be a problem for them or right. for for that for that job group right okay which look i have library music out there so it's not like i would be completely unaffected um and i think also for things like i've seen the ai comp stuff where it's like loops where it's like loops and you can like shape the like an editor could import a video and shape hit points and stuff oh okay but it's still only for it still seems like it's only for like very corporate things right Right. very like very commercial level like here's our (laughs) i don't know our corporate ad yeah and it finishes with some sound you know what i mean for a conference or something they're putting together a 10 minute video Of an update on financial something. Yeah. And they need I don't a track see it, that they don't, you know, fits well. I don't think it becomes the defining sound of like Star Wars or the Dark Knight or something. I think that those things are a bit more 
like how can I me taking something like you're saying like you maybe you take a theme that you work out with with an AI which uh you know I guess is kind of questionable anyway and then you you change it to be your own and you add stuff to it so it feels like your own thing I think that the concern is kind of overblown yeah I, guess I think is what I'm getting at you know I know that there's there's stuff that that feels um like it'd be really cool to implement in terms of AI I don't know if you can do this already but like Imagine you're writing and you you bus everything to the AI and including the dialogue track. And then you specify that you need uh, dropouts on your melody stems or your percussion high stems whenever this dialogue comes in or it gates, whatever. And then so you're writing a cue and then you listen to it with the plugin AI on that that's called dialogue AI or something. And then mm-hmm. and then you see how your cue goes around and respects spaces and dialogues and be like maybe up and down the threshold of that and be like yeah that kind of thing um that kind of ai implementation and i guess we're seeing that a little bit with the isotope stuff where mm-hmm. you play back something for its engine and it goes okay you're using these type of frequencies you're using and most of my algorithms say that you could use this type of gate or this type of compression yeah so we're seeing a little bit of that and um i think that could be really functional for us yeah um but i do i do think that plus there's so much music out there that the ai could just pull up a corporate track from thousands and thousands and thousands of library tracks out there and and edit it on the fly or something well i think obviously the value the real the reason why i'm not worried about my job as of right now mm-hmm. being taken away by ai isn't because the computer couldn't do that kind of job but it's because um like what I bring to the table is unique. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's going to like the, that's why I said like the library stuff is tough because it's not really unique. Yeah. Right. Like whenever, and this is ideally, I think what we all want is that when a production company or a composer or an ad agency, or not a composer, but a, whoever comes to you and mm-hmm. wants to hire you, they're hiring you because they feel like you bring something unique to the table right. that, that they don't just get by going to a library because they could go to a library and license, like you're saying, like generic track number five. And now they have, you know, the hit for their, for their splash screen. Yeah. There's so much uh, artistic input in there. That's tough to, I mean, we we can look back at this in 30 years and be like, Oh, that, bot is really how really naive good. yeah <laughs> he's really good at writing he's like super creative like how he solved that uh emotional <laughs> key at the end yeah 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 but, but uh yeah i agree i agree i think i think we're a little bit off from that creative part being wiped off the earth completely oh yeah yeah well uh, sure. uh, this is amazing tell me a little bit if, uh, just just so we can uh wrap up and i won't take much of your time uh how how's everything been with working with kevin kevin manti Oh, it's been good, man. I mean, I enjoy Kevin and I are friends, and I've enjoyed working with him on uh, on the stuff he's. Of you know, I've been had the pleasure of being brought on to do with him. Yeah. Um. You know, he knew I was a big Star Trek fan, which I think is what what like. I actually so there was a there was a little bit of a quid pro quo, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, Kevin, um, I was working on um, a movie called Santa Jaws. Okay. And I was. It's amazing. Under, it's an amazing title. I mean, yeah, yeah, and I mean, an even more amazing movie. Okay. I mean, let's be real. Just you <laughs> want to see a shark with a Santa Claus hat, yeah, swimming around, and uh, you want to hear up on the rooftop in a minor key as the shark's theme. <laughs> then 
then that's amazing. I have a movie for you to watch. <laughs> if that's um, what you're looking for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it's on Amazon Prime, so enjoy. <laughs> okay. Um so I was watching I was not watching. I was writing on that movie and it was one of those one of those times I was just kind of underwater. I was dealing with um I want to say I was dealing with moving too. I I think I had we had a baby on the way. I had like two movies on deck and then I had um and then I had we were moving. So it's dealing with all these different life stresses and I just needed an additional music writer. And Kevin Kevin usually works on animation stuff. Yeah. Uh like he's done Ben 10, he's done all these Spider-Man shows, like he's done a ton of stuff and he's really talented. And um and he said, "Look, if he's like I would love to score something that's not animated just to just to do something different, you know?" Mm-hmm. Um and so uh, the the exchange was like he brought me on to do some Star Trek stuff because he knew I like Star Trek, mm-hmm. and then I he wrote some additional music on Santa Jaws. Nice, okay. Um, so that was that was kind of the exchange, which it was uh it was fun. I mean, it was it was definitely um that movie is 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 zany and everything. So um Kevin's style worked in it, mm-hmm. you know, because he has he has definitely like a very different style to. To the other stuff I was writing, but mm-hmm. the stuff he did worked on on the scenes that he did. Nice. Um, another way that I often work with additional music composers, if I think they have a very specific sound like Kevin's or um, a few other movies, a lot of times what I'll do is I will add in, um, not add in, but I'll specifically say, okay, they're going to deal with this theme, right? They'll deal with this character's theme. So that way, every time that idea or theme comes back, it's they're yours. all yeah. there. So so that way, sonically, we're always in that world with that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that was... That makes sense. That was with what I did with Kevin on that. And um, uh, we've done a few other things here and there. Um, we had collaborated on making some samples, and that was pretty fun and a good creative outlet, especially uh, until the pandemic hit. And then... Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then everything, everything got, you know, like confusing and weird and strange. Yeah, and they're worried. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're all worried about what was going to happen to us, and it's happening to us. But we've we've stuck through. I guess we we're in yeah. there. We're fighting through. We are here. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this is amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, I also want to like tell our our listeners thank you for for stopping by and and uh, checking us out and listening to all of our of our ramblings um <laughs> andrewmorgansmith.com uh, there's so much music up there man that's really really cool that you could upload all that stuff love the page also tell me a little bit about the youtube channel i i think those videos are super helpful they're super quick i i i love the tone it's uh <laughs> it's it's nice it's so refreshing and i keep i hope you keep doing so much more of them i mean so many more of them yeah, so I I started. I appreciate it, man. I started a YouTube channel uh, a couple years ago, yep. um, mostly on the whim of like I just kept getting asked similar questions yep. over and over again by directors or by composers, and especially with composers, I was asked questions. But with directors, I encountered the same problem mm-hmm. over and over again, or the same fears. Okay. Um. So I had kind of looked around, and I didn't really see a a, a prominent channel i mean mine's not that prominent but that prominent channel dealing with those ideas okay so i decided to start making videos and then when the pandemic hit we were all sitting around with nothing but time so yes. i started to make more mm-hmm. um and unfortunately since since work has picked back up i've been kind of slammed so i haven't even had time to um to like 
actually go back and uh, and like start because I always try to outline everything and have a structure so that way I stay on target and I don't have two yeah. hours of video to edit. Plus you have to edit, yeah. Yeah, so the, and in fact, some of the videos I I actually have shot, I've shot two more videos, that, but one of them I know I can't use because now my opinion's changed on it since the pandemic hit. Okay. Um. So, but anyway, so that's kind of, if you're curious about the composing world and you're a composer or director, um, I try to do longer form stuff as well as like short form tip stuff mm-hmm. uh, and just, you know, do interesting stuff on there, answer questions. And uh, hopefully once uh, I've thankfully been busy, so I'm not going to complain about being busy. No, of course. But hopefully once that kind of stuff settles down, I'll be able to make a couple more do more more planning and shooting of videos. <laughs> nice. Well, you can find the link to that on andrewmorgansmith.com. I think you have a like a social up on top on the right side. Yeah. You have social links and you have Instagram and I think Twitter. Are you also on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Clubhouse. I'm on Oh, Clubhouse. How's that? Yeah. It's pretty good, man. I mean, I I I think I've been in great conversations and great rooms and I've been in ones that are mm-hmm. Uh, lacking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but overall, I think I'm 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 kind of excited about that platform. Okay. Being much more uh seems much more ideas exchange based versus um uh visual based, right? All of our other socials are so visually, um, so visually stimulating. Yeah. Yeah, you have to uh, do a lot of visual content for for that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, turn out that stuff. Uh, how does Clubhouse work? Can you send me an invitation? Am I cool enough? I can send you an invitation. As long, well, do you have an iPhone? That's the question. I have an iPad. I think you can do it on iPad. You have to have an iPhone. As of right now, you have to have iOS. It's the only thing it works on. Yep. Um, and I changed from uh, an iPhone to a... That's a whole other <sighs> podcast episode, but I changed from an iPhone to a Pixel 5 uh, <sighs> a few months ago just because I've been on iPhone mm. forever and... Mm. I, I can say I'm enjoying the uh, the Google ecosystem. I'm so sorry, um, but <laughs> but but um, basically, I think it'll open up to Android users. It's just not yet, right? So it's by invite only, mm-hmm. and you can kind of go into rooms, and it's almost like having live panels, okay. which is cool. So it's almost like if you were to go to a Comic Con panel or a, a convention panel, and you can anyone can start a room. And um, so if we were doing this on Clubhouse, we could have this conversation and then people could listen. And then if they have a question, they raise their hand. So you like hit a button and it notifies the moderator and they can choose to bring you up or not. And you can ask your question and then you can specifically respond to people, right? Which is really cool. And then you can send that person back to the audience or they can stay up on stage if they have something to contribute. Um, So it has a lot of potential for that kind of stuff, like stuff that's frankly, hard during the pandemic, right? Like you can't go to conferences, you can't do parties, you can't do networking that well. But in this scenario, it feels a lot more like you're hanging out at a party or going to a Q&A than any other app I've I've been on. So okay. um, we'll do that. I'm curious. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll set up a room for for a luchador audio and we'll, we'll, we'll have yeah. chats with people. So they tell us, about, cool. tell us about how they're using uh, all their instruments and, and stuff. Thanks for the that tip. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, send of me course. an invitation because I want to feel cool. I want to feel part of part <laughs> of invite only. I wanna, crowd. Yeah, I want to be part uh, of part of that crowd. I don't want to be yeah, left man. out. Well, sir, <laughs> it's really amazing to talk to you, and uh, there's so much information here that's so valuable to everyone who's listening. I'm sure. Uh, send us your questions, of course. Um, what's coming up for you? 
that you can uh, well, talk I'm, about stuff. I know some stuff you can't talk about. Yeah, I mean, I have. I'm wrapping up these movies. I'm starting another one. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll have word about the sales on those things since there's such a content drought. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping that they'll have an easier time selling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some. I'm just also wrapping up my fourth uh, national ad that I've done this year. Nice. Um, which I was really hoping there's one that, that I have an NDA, so I can't say what it's for, Mm -hmm. but I just got, they were supposed to launch March 1st and then I just got notified yesterday it's pushed indefinitely. So we don't know when, we don't know when it's Everything's uh, taking off really slowly this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I have some fun campaigns I've been working on and these movies, which I'm, I'm really excited about, but you know, nothing is set in stone as of yet. Because no one's selling no it one. yet. <laughs> we don't know if there's stone to set stuff on anymore. Yeah, exactly. Everything's so exactly. weird. Well, <laughs> sir, it's been such a great uh, time talking to you. Thank you so much for doing this, being part of this of this uh, new podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll get to jump around a second round with you later on. Um, of course, when everything comes out, I'm going to send you all our instruments so you can tell me what you oh, think. Well, thank you so much, And you man. can put them, awesome. put them in there. Um, just send me a demo or something. I don't know because because yeah, sure. I love how you write. Well, thank you so <laughs> thank you so much, sir. I everybody check out um, andrewmorgansmith.com uh, for all the links. If you want to like ask, I'm I'm already sending you people who ask you stuff. Is that is that okay? Yeah, oh, fine. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Always. Th- thank you, everybody, and uh, catch us on the next episode of El Composer Podcast for El Luchador Audio. This is some background right. music. Coming in right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just you singing yeah, the background music. That would be great to have like a da 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 just a me one going. version. Yeah. <laughs> one version is you just singing it out, doing the studio fade on it. Yeah, I know. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, goodbye. Have a good afternoon. And I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks so much for having me. That was a really cool talk. Thank you so much, Andrew, for sharing all this info with us. I uh, can't wait for you guys to listen to our next episode. I've been wanting to share this episode with you guys for a long time. We have none other than The Warning on our next episode here on El Composer Podcast. So much happening with The Warning. They talk about how they worked on their new album. They have uh, a new single right now called Choke. Go check it out on all platforms. And they just announced a really, really cool featured uh, collaboration on a very important project called the Metallica Blacklist with so many amazing artists uh, featuring uh, their unique interpretations of a black album. That's amazing. So you won't want to miss that episode next Wednesday, The Warning. And um, yeah, as always, my name is Marcelo Trevino and this was El Composer Podcast. Gracias. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for creating, listening to and or supporting music creators. Of course, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.